Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text to A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily text reading and the lesson for the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from 9.15 to 10.45 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of Chapter 19, Beyond the Body, Section 5, Obstacles to Peace, Subsection 3. The third obstacle, the attraction of death which will also include our reading of the incorruptible body. We're also mindful of our lesson today, first lesson in part two of the workbook, lesson 221. Peace to my mind, let all my thoughts be still. And by way of opening this morning, I'd dearly love to share this poem from Helen Schuckman in her book, The Gifts of God. The poem is called The Holy Purpose. The Holy Purpose. There is no death. What God creates must be eternal, changeless, incorruptible, and safe forever. Can the holy die? And can the the Son of God be made as he was not created? He's the body not. It serves its purpose and is given up. It cannot suffer if the mind invests it with a holy purpose. Miracles are always ready to restore and heal the mind's intent. If it forgot its goal, communication then restored will be the Holy Spirit's single remedy. The holy purpose. Amen. Nice. Amen. Thanks, Lori. Oh, happy to bring that this Thank morning. you, Lori. Oh, thank you, Lori. Thank Helen. And the gifts of God. Okay, my friends, here's our reading list. We have Lee, Fran, Lemoyne, Karen, Judy, Lana, and Micah. And we're joined in listening this morning by Mary, Ida, Harrison, and Diana. Has anyone else joined the call that would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Patricia here. I'm available to read. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning. It's Sandra. I'm here, and I can read. Very excellent. Thanks, Sandra. Okay. So we take up again Chapter 19, Beyond the Body, Section 5, The Obstacles to Peace, Subsection 3, The third obstacle, the attraction of death. Paragraph 77. To you in whose special relationship the Holy Spirit entered, it is given to release and be released from the dedication to death. For it was offered you and you accepted. Yet you must learn still more about this strange devotion for it contains the third of the obstacles which peace must flow across. No one can die unless he chooses death. 
what seems to be the fear of death is really its attraction. Guilt, too, is feared and fearful, yet it could have no hold at all except on those who are attracted to it and seek it out. And so it is with death. Made by the ego, its dark shadow falls across all living things because the ego is the so-called enemy of life. We. The third obstacle, the attraction of death. To you in whose special relationship the Holy Spirit entered, it is given to release and be released from the dedication to death. For it was offered you and you accepted. Yet you must learn still more about this strange devotion, for it contains the third of the obstacles which peace must flow across. No one can die unless he chooses death. What seems to be the fear of death is really its attraction. Guilt, too, is feared and fearful, yet it could have no hold at all except on those who are attracted to it and seek it out. And so it is with death. Made by the ego, its dark shadow falls across all living things because the ego is the, quote, enemy of life. 78. And yet, a shadow cannot kill. What is a shadow to the living? They but walk past, and it's gone. But what of those whose dedication it is not to live? The black drape, quote, sinners. The ego's mournful chorus, plodding so heavily away from life, dragging their chains and marching in the slow procession which honors their grim master, Lord of Death. Touch any one of them with the gentle hands of forgiveness and watch the chains fall away, along with yours. See him throw aside the black robe he was wearing to his funeral and hear him laugh at death. The sentence sin would lay upon him, he can escape through your forgiveness. Thank you, Lee and Fran. 78. <coughs> Excuse me. And yet a shadow cannot kill. What is the shadow to the living? They but walk past and it is gone. And what of those whose dedication it is not to live? The black drape, quote, sinners. The ego's mournful chorus, plodding so heavily away from life, dragging their chains and marching in the slow procession, which honors their grim master, Lord of Death. <clears throat> Touch any one of them with the gentle hands of forgiveness and watch the chains fall away along with yours. See him throw aside the black robe he was wearing to his funeral and hear him laugh at death. The sentence sin would lay upon him he can escape through your forgiveness. 79. This is not arrogance. It is the will of God. What is impossible to you who choose his will is yours. What is death to you? Your dedication is not to death nor to its master. 
When you accepted the Holy Spirit's purpose in place of the egos, you renounced that, exchanging it for life. We know that an idea leaves not its source, and death is the result of the thought we call the ego as surely as life is the result of the thought of God. Thank you, Fran. And Lemoyne, uh, 79, and just roll right into 80s, please. Okay. I'm going to back up a sentence. The sentence sin would lay upon him, he can escape through your forgiveness. This is no arrogance. It is the will of God. What is impossible to you who choose his will as yours? What is death to you? Your dedication is not to death nor to its master. When you accepted the Holy Spirit's purpose in place of the egos, you renounced death, exchanging it for life. We know that an idea leaves not its source, and death is the result of the thought we call the ego, as surely as life is the result of the thought of God. The incorruptible body. From the ego came sin and guilt and death, in opposition to life and innocence and to the will of God himself. Where can such opposition lie but in the sick minds of the insane, dedicated to madness and set against the peace of heaven? One thing is sure, God, who created neither sin nor death, wills not that you be bound by them. He knows of neither sin nor its result. The shrouded figures in the funeral procession march, not in honor of their creator, whose will it is they live. They are not following it, they are opposing it. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Karen? The incorruptible body, 80. From the ego came sin and guilt and death in opposition to life and innocence and to the will of God himself. Where can such opposition lie but in the sick minds of the insane, dedicated to madness and set against the peace of heaven? One thing is sure. God, who created neither sin nor death, wills not that you be bound by them. He knows of neither sin nor its results. The shrouded figures in the funeral procession march not in honor of their creator, whose will it is they live. They are not following it. They are opposing it. 81. And what is the black-draped body they would bury, a body which they dedicated to death, a symbol of corruption, a sacrifice to sin, offered to sin to feed upon and keep itself alive, a thing condemned, damned by its maker, and lamented by every mourner who looks upon it as himself. You who believe you have condemned the Son of God to this are arrogant, but you who would release him are but honoring the will of his creator. 
the arrogance of sin, the pride of guilt, the sepulchre of separation, all are part of your unrecognized dedication to death. The glitter of guilt you laid upon the body would kill it. For what the ego loves, it kills for its obedience. But what obeys it not, it cannot kill. Thank you, Karen. And Judy. Ooh-wee, 81, right? The incorruptible body. And what is the black draped body they would bury? A body which they dedicated to death, a symbol of corruption, a sacrifice to sin, offered to sin to feed upon and keep itself alive, a thing, a thing condemned, damned by its maker, and lamented by every mourner who looks upon it as himself. You who believe you have condemned the Son of God to this are arrogant. But you who would release him are but honoring the will of his Creator. The arrogance of sin, the pride of guilt, the sepulchre of separation, are all are part of your unrecognized dedication to death. The glitter of guilt you laid upon the body would kill it. For what the ego loves, it kills for its obedience. What it, but what it obeys it not, it cannot kill. 82. You have another dedication which would keep the body incorruptible and perfect as long as it is useful for your holy purpose. The body no more dies than it can feel. It does nothing of itself. It is neither, neither corruptible nor incorruptible. It is nothing. It is the result of a tiny mad idea of corruption, which can be corrected. For God has answered this insane idea with his own, an answer which left him not, and therefore brings to the Creator, and excuse me, and therefore brings the Creator to the awareness of every mind which heard his answer and accepted it. This is such great stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. And Layla. Okay. 82. You have another dedication which would keep the body incorruptible and perfect as long as it is useful for your holy purpose. The body no more dies than it can feel. It does nothing. Of itself, it is neither corruptible nor incorruptible. It is nothing. It is the result of a tiny mad idea of corruption which can be corrected. For God has answered this insane idea with his own 
and answer which left him not, and therefore brings the Creator to the awareness of every mind which heard his answer and accepted it. 83. You who are dedicated to the incorruptible have been given through your acceptance the power to release from corruption to release from corruption. What better way to teach the first and fundamental principle in a course on miracles than by showing you the one which seems to be the hardest can be accomplished first. The body can but serve your purpose. As you look upon it, so will it seem to be. Death, were it true, would be the final and complete disruption of communication, which is the ego's goal. Thank you, Lana and Micah. Okay. 83. You who are dedicated to the incorruptible have been given through your acceptance the power to release from corruption. What better way to teach the first and fundamental principle in a course on miracles than by showing you the one which seems to be the hardest can be accomplished first. The body can but serve your purpose. As you look upon it, so will it seem to be. Death, were it true, would be the final and complete disruption of communication, which is the ego's goal. 84. Those who fear death see not how often and how loudly they call to it, and bid it come to save them from communication. For death is seen as safety, the great dark savior from the light of truth, the answer to the answer the silencer of the voice that speaks for God. Yet, the retreat to death is not the end of conflict. Only God's answer is its end. The obstacle of your seeming love for death that peace must flow across seems to be very great, for in it lies hidden all the ego's secrets all its strange devices for deception, all its sick ideas and weird imaginings. Here is the final end of union, the triumph of the ego's making over creation, the victory of lifelessness on life itself. Thank you, Micah and Patricia. 84. Those who fear death see not how often and how loudly they call to it 
and did it come to save them from communication? For death is seen as safety. The great dark Savior from the light of truth. The answer to the answer. The silence of the voice that speaks for God. Yet, the retreat to death is not the end of conflict. Only God's answer is its end. The obstacle of your seeming love for death, that peace must flow across, seems to be very great. For in it lies hidden all the ego's secrets, all its strange devices for deception, all its sick ideas and weird imaginings. Here is the final end of union the triumph of the ego's making over creation, the victory of lifelessness on life itself. 85. Under the dusty edge of its distorted world, the ego would lay the Son of God slain by its orders, proof in his decay that God himself is powerless before the ego's might, unable to protect the life that he created against the ego's savage wish to kill. My brothers, Children of our Father, this is a dream, a dream of death. There is no funeral, no dark altars, no grim commandments, nor twisted rituals of condemnation to which the body leads you. Ask not release of it. Be free. But free, free it from the merciless and unrelenting orders you laid upon it. And forgive it. Forgive it what you, what you ordered it to do in its exaltation you commanded it to die for only death could conquer life and what but insanity could look upon the defeat of God and think it real thank you Patricia and Sandra. 85. Under the dusty edge of its distorted world, 
The ego would lay the Son of God, slain by its orders, proof in his decay that God himself is powerless before the ego's might, unable to protect the life that he created against the ego's savage wish to kill. My brothers, children of our Father, this is a dream of death. There is no funeral, no dark altars, no grim commandments, nor twisted rituals of condemnation to which the body leads you. Ask not release of it, but free it from the merciless and unrelenting orders you laid upon it and forgive it what you ordered it to do. In its exaltation, you commanded it to die, for only death could conquer life. And what but insanity could look upon the defeat of God and think it real? 86. The fear of death will go as its appeal is yielded to love's real attraction. I'm going to read that again. The fear of death will go as its appeal is yielded to love's real attraction, the end of sin, which nestles quietly in the safety of your relationship protected by your union, ready to grow into a mighty force for God, is very near. The infancy of salvation is carefully guarded by love, preserved from every thought that would attack it, and quietly made ready to fulfill the mighty task for which it was given you. Your newborn purpose is nursed by angels, cherished by the Holy Spirit, and protected by God himself. It needs not your protection. It is yours, for it is deathless, and within it lies the end of death. Thank you, Sandra. And is there a new reader for 86 and 87? Yes, Lori, this is Yvonne. I can read. Thanks, Yvonne. Okay. Thank you. The fear of death will go as its appeal is yielded to love's real attraction. The end of sin, which nestles quietly in the safety of your relationship, protected by your union, ready to grow into a mighty force for God, is very near. The infancy of salvation is carefully guarded by love preserved from every thought that would attack it, and quietly made ready to fulfill the mighty task for which, it was, for which it was given you. Your newborn purpose is nursed by angels, cherished by the Holy Spirit, and protected by God himself. It needs not your protection. It is yours, for it is deathless, and within it lies the end of death. Wow, it's great to hear that this morning right now. Um, mm. What danger can assail the holy innocent? What can attack the guiltless? What fear can enter and disturb the peace of sinlessness? What has been given you, even in its infancy, is in full communication with God and you. In its tiny hands, it holds in perfect safety every miracle you will perform held out to you. 
The miracle of life is ageless, born in time, but nourished in eternity. Behold this infant to whom you gave a resting place by your forgiveness of each other, and see in it the will of God. Here is the babe of Bethlehem reborn, and everyone who gives him shelter will follow him, not to the cross, but to the resurrection and the life. Thank you. Thank you, Evelyn. And is there another new reader for 87 and 88? Okay, Lee, back to you. What danger can assail the holy innocent? What can attack the guiltless? What fear can enter and disturb the peace of sinlessness? What has been given you even in its infancy is in full communication with God and you. In its tiny hands, it holds in perfect safety every miracle you will perform held out to you. The miracle of life is ageless, born in time but nourished in eternity. Behold this infant to whom you gave a resting place by your forgiveness, your forgiveness of each other, and see in it the will of God. Here is the babe of Bethlehem reborn, and everyone who gives him shelter will follow him not to the cross, but to the resurrection and the life. 88. When anything seems to you to be a source of fear, when any situation strikes you with terror and makes your body tremble and the cold sweat of fear comes over it, remember it is always for one reason. The ego has perceived it as a symbol of fear, a sign of sin and death. Remember then that neither sign nor symbol should be confused with source, for they must stand for something other than themselves. Their meaning cannot lie in them, but must be sought in what they represent. And they may thus mean everything or nothing, according to the truth or falsity of the idea which they reflect. Confronted with such seeming uncertainty of meaning, judge it not. Remember the holy presence of the one given to you to be the source of judgment. Give it to him to judge for you and say. Well, Lee, I think I'd like you to read that too, please. <laughs> okay. We'll do that three Remember times. the holy Oh, oh, good. Remember the holy presence of the one given to you to be the source of judgment. Give it to him to judge for you and say, take this from me and look upon it, judging it for me. Let me not see it as a sign of sin and death, nor use it for destruction. 
teach me how not to make of it an obstacle to peace, but let you use it for me to facilitate its coming. Amen. Sorry, I was off mute. Um, Fran, would you like to do 87 and 88, please? I thought I'm I had still to do 88 and 89. 88 and 89, yes, I'm sorry. Okay. <clears throat> no, you're not on mute. <laughs> <laughs> when other things seem... <clears throat> 88. When anything seems to be... Of, seems to you to be a source of fear, when any situation strikes you with terror and makes your body tremble and the cold sweat of fear comes over it, Remember, it is always for one reason. <clears throat> the ego has perceived it as a symbol of fear, a sign of sin and death. Remember that, that neither sin nor symbol should be confused with source, for they must stand for something other than themselves. Their meaning cannot lie in them, but must be sought in what they represent. And they may thus mean everything or nothing according to the truth or falsity of the idea which they reflect. Confronted with such seeming uncertainty of meaning, judge it not. Remember, the Holy Spirit present of the one given to you to be the source of judgment. Give it to him to judge for you and say, 89, take this from me and look upon it, judging it for me. Let me not see it as a sign of sin and death, nor use it for destruction. Teach me how not to make of it an obstacle to peace, but let you use it for me to facilitate its coming. Thank you, Fran. And Lemoyne, if you'd like to read Confronted with Such Seeming Uncertainty through the end, please. Yeah, that's where I was going to go. <laughs> Okay, confronted with such seeming certainty or uncertainty of meaning, judge it not. Remember the presence of the one given to you to be the source of judgment. Give it to him to judge for you and say, take this from me and look upon it, judging it for me. Let me not see it as a sign of sin and death, nor use it for destruction. Teach me how not to make of it an obstacle to peace, but let you use it for me to facilitate its coming. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone who read. Thanks. Great. Can I just read that last part, too? You certainly can, Ida. Okay. Remember the holy presence of the one given to you to be the source of judgment. Give it to him to judge for you and say, Take this from me and look upon it, judging it for me. Let me not see it as a sign of sin and death, nor use it for destruction. Teach me how not to make of it an obstacle to peace, but let you use it for me to facilitate its coming. 
Thank you. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, everyone who read. So, um, to recap, the third obstacle, the attraction of death. In paragraph 77, to you in whose special relationship the Holy Spirit entered, it is given to release and to be released from the dedication to death. For it was offered you and you accepted. The strange devotion to death contains the third of the obstacles which peace must flow across. No one can die unless he chooses death. What seems to be the fear of death is really its attraction. Like guilt, death could have no hold at all except to those who are attracted to it and seek it out. From paragraph 78, a shadow cannot kill. What is a shadow to the living? And what of those whose dedication it is not to live? What of those whose dedication it is not to live? Touch any one of them with the gentle hands of forgiveness and watch the chains fall away along with yours. This is the will of God. When you accepted the Holy Spirit's purpose in place of the egos, you renounced death, exchanging it for life. Death is the result of the thought we call the ego, as surely as life is the result of the capital thought of God. The incorruptible body from paragraph 80, from the ego came sin and guilt and death. In opposition to life and innocence and to the will of God himself. One thing is sure, God who created neither sin nor death wills not that you be bound by them. He knows of neither sin nor its results. Paragraph 81, the arrogance of sin, the pride of guilt, the sepulcher of separation, all are part of your unrecognized dedication to death. In 82, you have another dedication which would keep the body incorruptible and perfect as long as it is useful for your holy purpose. The body of itself is neither corruptible nor incorruptible. It is nothing. It is the result of a tiny mad idea of corruption which can be corrected for God has answered this insane idea with his own, an answer which left him not, and therefore brings the Creator to the awareness of every mind which heard his answer and accepted it. 83. You who are dedicated to the incorruptible have been given through your acceptance of the apostle. Say it again. You who are dedicated to the incorruptible have been given through your acceptance the power to release from corruption. The body can but serve your purpose. As you look upon it, so will it seem to be. Death, were it true, would be the final and complete disruption of communication, which is the ego's goal. Day four, those who fear death 
how often and how loudly they call to it and bid it come to save them from communication. Yet the retreat to death is not the end of conflict. Only God's capital answer is its end. The final end of union, the triumph of the ego's making over creation, the victory of lifelessness on life itself, are all hidden in the ego's secrets. In 85, my brothers, children of our Father, this is a dream of death. Ask not release of the body, but free it from the merciless and unrelenting orders you laid on it and forgive it what you ordered it to do. In 86, the fear of death will go as his appeal is yielded to love's real attraction. Your newborn purpose, oh wait now, the end of sin which nestles quietly in the safety of your relationship protected by your union is ready to grow into a mighty force for God and this end is very near. Your newborn purpose is nursed by angels, cherished by the Holy Spirit and protected by God himself. It needs not your protection. It is yours. For it is deathless, and within it lies the end of death. What has been given you, even in its infancy, infancy, is in full communication with God and you. In its tiny hands, it holds in perfect safety every miracle you will perform held out to you. The miracle of life is ageless, born in time but nourished in eternity. Behold this infant to whom you gave a resting place by your forgiveness of each other and see in it the will of God. Here is the babe of Bethlehem reborn and everyone who gives him shelter will follow him, not to the cross, but to the resurrection and the life. And finally, when anything seems to be to you a source of fear, Remember it is always for one reason. The ego has perceived it as a symbol of fear, a sign of sin and death. Remember then that neither sign nor symbol should be confused with source. Their meaning cannot lie in them but must be sought in what they represent. And they may thus mean everything or nothing according to the truth or falsity of the idea which they reflect. Confronted with such seeming uncertainty of meaning, touch it not. Remember the holy presence of the capital one given to you to be the capital source of judgment. Give it to him to judge for you and say, take this from me and look upon it, judging it for me. Let me not see it as a sign of sin and death, nor use it for destruction. Teach me how not to make of it an obstacle to peace, but let you use it for me to facilitate its coming. Amen. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, Laurie. See. Oh yeah, we are at the top of the hour. <laughs> so Fran, we'll turn it over to you with our gratitude to lead our reflection this morning on this great lesson. Thank you, Laurie. 
Thanks for that recap. That was great. Hi, everybody. We are in part two of the workbook. And today we are, have a theme of forgiveness. It starts with themes. I'm going to read the introduction. It will be in there. So I'm going to start with some of the introduction. Part two, introduction. Words will mean little now. We use them, but as guides on which we do not now depend. For now we seek direct experience of truth alone. The lessons which remain are merely introductions to the times in which we leave the world of pain and go to enter peace. Now we begin to reach the goal this course has set and find the end toward which our practicing was geared. Now we attempt to let the exercise be merely a beginning. He has promised he will take the final step himself. We will not consider time a matter of duration now. We use as much as we will need for the result that we desire, nor will we forget our hourly remembrances in between. We will continue with essential thought for all the days to come, and we will use that thought to introduce our times of rest and calm our minds as at need. We say some simple words of welcome and expect our Father to reveal himself as he has promised. Sit silently and wait upon your Father. He has willed to come to you when you have recognized it is your will he do so. And you could have never come this far unless you saw, however dimly, that it is your will. We look not backward now. We look ahead and fix our eyes upon the journey's end. And so we start upon the final part of this one holy year which we have spent together in the search for truth and God, who is its one creator. Now is the need for practice almost done. For in this final section, we will come to understand that we need only call to God and all temptations disappear. Instead of words, we need but feel his love. Instead of prayer, we need but call his name. Instead of judging, we need but be still and let all things be healed. One further use for words will still remain. From time to time, instructions on a theme of special relevance will intersperse our daily lessons and the periods of wordless, deep experience which should come afterwards. These special thoughts should be reviewed each day. They should be slowly read and thought about a little while. We give the first of these instructions now. And he tells us the first theme is what is forgiveness. I'll just read a little from that. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness recognizes what you thought your brother did to you has not occurred. It does not pardon sins and make them real. It sees there was no sin. And in this view are all your sins forgiven. What sin except the false idea about... What is sin except the false idea about God's son? (coughs) Excuse me. An unforgiving thought is one which makes a judgment that it will not raise to doubt, although it is not true. The mind is closed and will not be released. (coughs) 
I'm sorry, excuse me. An unforgiving thought does many things. In frantic action, it pursues its goal, twisting and overturning what it sees as interfering with its chosen path. Forgiveness, on the other hand, is still and quietly does nothing. It merely <clears throat> looks, <clears throat> I'm sorry, and It merely looks and waits and judges not. Do nothing then, and let forgiveness show you what to do through him who is your guide. <laughs> and now we do the lesson, lesson 221. Peace to my mind. Let all my thoughts be still. And the first section is a prayer. Father, I come to you today to seek the peace that you alone can give. I come in silence. In the quiet of my heart, the deep recesses of my mind, I wait and listen for your voice. My Father, speak to me today. I come to hear your voice in silence and uncertainty and love, sure that you will hear my call and answer me. Now do we wait in quiet. God is here because we wait together. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Peace to my mind, let all my thoughts be still. Father, I come to you today to seek the peace that you alone can give. I come in silence. In the quiet of my heart, the deep recesses of my mind, I wait and listen for your voice. Lesson 221. Peace to my mind. Let all my thoughts be still. Amen. 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 No, thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. That was so lovely. Thank you, friend. Sorry I had to clear my throat so much. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well. Leftover cold. A whole body, our body is one whole thing, and you you were injured. Your body was injured, so I'm not surprised you have to clear your throat. Don't worry about it, honey. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you. That's a beautiful job, uh, Frana, touching in with the, the introduction and what is forgiveness and the lesson. Thanks for um, for sorting all that out for us. Oh, you're welcome. I could have read the whole thing. Every every word on yeah. that was important. You know? 
Mm. Yeah. And the which means in the prayer. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you, Fran. That was really a, a long thing to to uh, sort out. Thank you so much. Did a great job. Oh, thank you. I look forward to our getting very familiar with what is forgiveness again. Each of these special themes has exactly five paragraphs, and each of them is structured in the same way. They like identify a problem early in the five paragraphs and then resolve it by the end. And um, what is forgiveness does the same thing. So... I know you're going to lead us through a real complete reflection on what is forgiveness across the coming week. Yeah. Thanks again, Fran. Great. We get to do it. We get to do it every day. I love it. Yeah. Wow. I'm looking forward to it, too, because I know God doesn't forgive because God never condemns. And I know there's such a thing as false forgiveness, like, well, I'm better than you, so I'm going to forgive you, and that's not right. So I'm really looking forward to that. What is forgiveness as well? Thanks. I tell you, I'm this is the morning. Um, I'm I'm both looking forward to it and dreading it. If I have to be honest, <laughs> um, forgiveness is like, like this became clear to me last night that. Forgiveness is the key to peace. And um, it, it just takes everything I have had anger about, resentment about, fear about, and just resolves it. And it's, it's just one of those mysteries that you know I can't seem to grasp and, and say, okay, now I'm going to forgive. It's one of those things like to have peace, give peace, to have peace. Peace to have peace, and it's like so for me. Forgiveness, it's this is like there's a part of me that's like, oh my god, I got this, and I really just want to let that go and just be at peace and know that all it takes is my willingness. And forgiveness, I don't think is something that I can ever really understand. It's just a state of being that when it happens. It passes understanding. And so I'm really willing to allow it to happen. And I'm not trying to understand it or try to make it happen. Because we all know that that does not work. So I'm really willing to allow Holy Spirit to show me. And um, because, you know, it still doesn't make sense to me that forgiveness happens when I realize that my brother has done nothing to me or I've done nothing to my brother or I've done nothing to myself. It doesn't really make sense in the frame of reference that I'm normally in. You know, well, yeah, I did lose that and it did cause a problem or, yeah, I did hurt my back and how can I, you know, pretend it didn't happen so I can just be in forgiveness. It's just something that 
it's part of God's kingdom and I'm willing to experience it. I don't know how to get there, but by continuing to be willing every day and with you all together with me, intending to really not just understand this, but experience it, I know that we can have the miracle of forgiveness. And um, oh, that's just, I'm just so looking forward to it. The holy incense and, and the holy incense that just shifts my whole perception of the past and shifts my my ability to, to truly be in the present moment. And I'm just really looking forward to it myself. So um, at this time, I'm declaring that my willingness to understand it without words is complete. And I know that that willingness is going to bring that experience. I'm holding that for myself. And I'm holding that for everybody on this call. So we will have forgiveness and experience it. And it will be incredible. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy. Oh, thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy. This Good is morning. Lee. Um, oh, Karen, okay. please. Okay. Ask to you, dear. Uh, okay, thank you. Um, so when I read the uh, instructions for forgiveness this morning, um, it was really uh, amazing. And the, in the lesson call, I, um, I'd like to share what happened because it's, um, even though some heard it already, but um, so... I went into the meditation this morning in the lesson call, and the first thing, I had this memory, something came up. A couple of nights ago, I had a dream, and it was a really ugly dream. It was absolutely disgusting. And when I woke up, I felt dirty, and I felt guilty. I felt so guilty. And when I read the paragraph, the first paragraph in the What is Forgiveness, it says, it didn't happen. And it was, and the lesson today is to have to experience the peace. And the obstacle to peace is guilt, the first obstacle. And it was such an example of the obstacle of guilt, of guilt, um, the attraction of guilt, rather, because it was a dream, and I felt guilty. And there was a part of my mind, obviously the ego part, which was still identified with the dream that didn't happen. I mean, it was a sleeping dream. It didn't really happen. I mean, gosh, I guess you could, in in the realm of illusions, you could say that sleeping dreams are as bad as waking dreams of the ego. But anyway, um, the attraction to guilt, the attraction to hang on to it was just so interesting to look at and to apply that to forgiveness the things that we think happened that didn't even happen because the holy spirit and god is telling us in the thought system of the holy spirit it didn't happen we just have to accept it didn't really happen the way we think it did it didn't happen in absolute reality it didn't happen in truth in the context of love and peace, that peace that is a divine state that's beyond this world that we can tap into now. We don't have to be prisoners 
just like we don't have to be prisoners of the body. The second obstacle to peace is our identification with the body. We think we're going to have some pleasure, but pleasure is duality, and then we have to accept pain. And the third one, which is, of course, today's, is the attraction of of death. And um, in my life, I've tried to commit suicide so many times, you know, passive than otherwise. And it's really just, you know, to escape this worldly plane. And on some level, the ego has has um, convinced my mind that death would be escape. Death would be escape of all of this, which isn't true at all. It, again, isn't true. It's just another one of the ego's great deceptions. And the attraction of death is to usurp God's authority over our lives, to to let the ego be the victor. It, it's just another form of the insanity. Identification with the body, attraction to guilt, attraction to death, all of these things are standing in the way. And the first thing that we are reminded of in this lesson today is what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is the recognition that the whole ego story is falsehood. That only truth is true and that we look to the Holy Spirit and asked, I don't want to judge this. I don't know what's the truth of this. I give it to you. I give it to you. And then be in the stillness and and the quiet and the confidence that we are with Jesus and trust in that peace that from that point we will hear what God wants us to know and what the truth is. I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, that's wonderful. Thanks, Karen. That was Thank really you, Karen. Thank, Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. So, good morning, everyone. It's Lee. We continue with the obstacles to peace, right? And so, we had yesterday in his opening paragraph describing the second obstacle, his neat little summary of the first and second obstacle. I'll just remind of those. In 59, I was told, we said that peace must first surmount the obstacle of your desire to get rid of it. And that's because where the attraction of guilt holds sway, peace is not wanted. Why? Because what peace would bring me to would undermine all the premises that my attraction to guilt and condemnation require. Um, So that's the first obstacle. And the second obstacle, he says, that peace must flow across in paragraph 59, closely related to the first is the belief the body is valuable for what it offers. So here's an interesting little something. When he says in the next sentence, here is the attraction of guilt made manifest in the body and seen in it. This is the value you think peace would rob you of. This is what you believe peace would dispossess and leave you homeless. This idea of the body as housing guilt is his way of saying to me, this is my experience, understanding of these, of these concepts. I have now, as a result of the attraction to death, the attraction to guilt. 
I have a distorted relationship with my body. And the nature of that distortion is that I um, like uh, um, retract into the body. I close the body around myself and separate off from everything outside the body. And what makes me do that is this great um, loathing that I have for what this life represents because of the ego's confusion that it's introduced into my mind and heart. I'm so frightened and fearful and so justified, I feel, in my condemnation of what I judge against that you can feel it. Can you guys, it's like, oh, I don't want to join with anything I see because I judge it all. So I reach, so I, um, so I uh, disappear into the body, close the body around me, and that's my safe little kingdom that I rule. And the rest of it, I just imagine to be chaos and threat. It's, it's this use of the body that stands between me and peace. That's the second obstacle using the body for what I think it offers me in defense against what they eat. So we come to this third pickle. Now let me just scroll down here. This that he calls um, the attraction of death. What I had written in years past, I'd like to pass along is that, um, You've heard from me before, feature the idea that he uses death in this course differently than I would be inclined to think of it. It rarely is reference to the death of the body and is almost in every case a reference to how the ego persuades me that its estimation of life is correct and blinds me to the fact that the ego's estimation of life renounces what life really offers me here and settles on a version of what this life represents that is so opposed to its genuine reality that he's prepared to call it the attraction of death. It's the renouncing of what life offers me and what life asks of me. If I don't want peace in my experience, because I'm so attracted to what I've created of an estimation of life that is wholly mistaken. I don't want to be bothered with the truth. I don't want to be bothered with all that life in its exuberance and its unity offers me to call me out of this protection of the body to join with everything I behold. If I don't want to be bothered about where the heart would lead me, I retract into the body and I develop an attraction to what the ego persuades me and whispers to me that this life is really about how frightful and cruel and capricious and threatening it is. That whole estimation of life is so opposed to what the Holy Spirit wants to awaken my heart, my mind, to embrace and understand the, the gift of this experience. 
that he calls it my refusal of life and the attraction of life's opposite. So I wrote to renounce the full presence of life is what he calls, quote unquote, death. Death, as he speaks of it here, is my preference for refusal of the offer of full gracious experience of life. A choice instead, he says, for lifelessness over life. And you see how immediately and how perfectly he uses the word death. For my choice in my pride for how I've estimated this life to be, I can't release my estimation. And it's a lifelessness I'm choosing over the life that's on offer. Everything of what he describes to me across this section of the infancy of salvation, the infancy of salvation is all about having Holy Spirit stir me to this dawn of an awareness that this life is and represents a fullness and grandeur that the ego has no capacity to entertain. That ego part of my mind is so built on its mistaken estimation that, that it, it literally cannot grasp the immensity of the distinct difference in the formulation of my relationship to all things, to all circumstance, to all others, and to my genuine self, that this infancy of salvation begins to allow dawn on my heart. That's what the ego is. The ego is the absence of the capacity to conceive of all that. The attraction of death is literally the ego's drive to keep the truth from dawning on my awareness and to have me settle for lifelessness over life. Very little to do with dropping the body and what I think of as uh, the end of this human episode and everything to do with my investment in refusing the truth and refusing the fullness of life uh, in its awareness. Allow me please just to touch on a few things here that I had highlighted. Um, I think I'd like to feature just where he speaks of this infancy of salvation and how when the Holy Spirit finally awakens in me um, the dawning of a recognition that life beckons with a capital L in a way that the ego could never conceive, um, that my refusal of the fullness of communication is coming to an end. It's the birth of my salvation from the ego's framework in which it has hidden life's meaning from me and hidden unity and hidden everything of love's predominance everywhere and in everything. The ego has hidden holiness. It's hidden joy. It's hidden everything from me and doled out, parceled out little 
versions of all those wonderful things and has told me this is as much as we can secure in this horrible life of joy or love or belonging. Um, He starts in 86 to describe the infancy of salvation. He says this infancy of salvation, Holy Spirit awakens in my heart, is carefully guarded by love, preserved from every thought that would attack it, and quietly made ready to fulfill the mighty task for which it was given you. Then he calls this infancy of salvation my newborn purpose. It's nursed by angels, cherished by Holy Spirit, protected by God himself. It's mine, he says. It's deathless. And within this newborn purpose lies the end of my fascination with lifelessness over life. He calls that in the next paragraph, this, um, this uh, infancy of salvation and calls it um, that in me which is in full communication with God and with my genuine being, my genuine self. It's in full communication with God and me. The miracle of life, he says, is ageless, born in time, but nourished in eternity. Behold this infant. Here, he says, is the birth of the babe of Bethlehem. Here is the birth of Babel, the babe of Bethlehem reborn. This is the awakening of the Christ in me that he's describing. The awakening of Christ in each of us. And, um, and, and nothing short of that. When I overcome my attraction to the way the ego has framed this life, I'm giving birth to something grand and glorious that he's willing to call the rebirth of the babe of Bethlehem, the birth of Christ in me, this tiny babe that needs that I attend to it and allow be born and grow within me and make its appearance through my holy relationship with everything I join in faith with. Its birth is within that holy relationship within this world. And that's what each of us is able to midwife as um, the consequence of our answer to this curriculum. Thanks, everyone, for letting me go on. I'm complete. That was just stupendously. Thank you. Thank you. Totally. Very comprehensive. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Lee. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was great. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Thank you so much. Just one tiny little comment about how you shifted my understanding of death from being about the body, but absolutely death is like numbness. It's it's Mm -hmm. the ego's choice to be unconscious to avoid pain. Anyway, thank you. Boy, a good way to put it. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Karen. Yes, thank yes. you, Karen. I'm just gonna I'm gonna illuminate my um, appreciation for what you just shared, Lee, because uh, the idea that death takes many forms and um, 
from the lesson, there is one life, and that I share with God really bears um, rereading, revisiting today. Um, And I'll just read one paragraph from it. In this world, there appears to be a state that is life's opposite. There is no death because what God creates shares his life. There is no death because an opposite to God does not exist. There is no death because the Father and the Son are one. We, we call it death, but we have learned that the idea of death takes many forms. It is the one idea which underlies all feelings that are not supremely happy. It is the alarm to which we give response of any kind that is not perfect joy. All sorrow, all loss, all anxiety, and all suffering and all pain, even a little sigh of weariness, a slight discomfort, or the merest frown, acknowledge death, and thus we deny we live. I think that's just as comprehensive as embracing God's life within me can possibly get. (laughs) Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Judy. It's a great quote. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Judy. I just want to say... um, this is Ida. Uh, good morning. I uh, wanted to say that um, I've been curious about what happens after I die. Uh, how do, how would I feel or whatever for a while, uh, especially as I've gotten older. And um, what I think is that I'm more amenable to the spirit um, and spiritual masters and guides and Jesus and stuff like that, but also it's possible if I haven't had a spiritual practice in, in my physical life, that it's just, I'm just going into my unconscious mind after I die. And everything that bothered me during my physical life would just bother me because, you know, it'd still be me. It's just me without a physical body. And it really wouldn't be productive at all if I hadn't had any kind of spiritual practice during my physical life. So we all do have a spiritual practice, but I'm just saying that's a possibility for people as well. Um, so it doesn't, yeah, all by itself, just death doesn't necessarily solve anything. That's, that's my explanation for it. Thanks. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thanks, Ida. I really appreciate the um, viewing of these these obstacles to peace, having um, dealing with physical pain on a daily basis and being able to. um, The lessons help me discerning um, this this attraction for death, which when you're when I'm suffering physical pain the way I do it to the extent that I do, I really wish I could just die. I'd I'd rather die. And to discern in my mind the difference of what I am, how I am 
attacking myself, my true self, and and denying it in in a, in a, in a desire for a wish to attract attack the uh, physical reality of my body is so it's like um karen said you know for whatever reasons she wished to die it's like the life as i i'm i'm quote unquote supposedly living it within a false belief that i am this body i am limited to this body and the experience of being in a body that is um what makes me forget the truth of who I am, which saves me from all the pain and and suffering. The whole idea of sacrificing the wholeness, completion of oneness, which which heals anything that would make hurt me or make me suffer, is 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 where the um uh, the the letting go, the still mind the thinking mind in you that thinks I need to fix my body as my problem. I'm not a problem to be fixed. That's the, the, the way the, the mind presents itself. It's the solver of problems. I'm not a problem to be fixed. I'm a mystery to be lived, to be experienced. And the, and the joy and the release that I get in the freedom from um, releasing my mind's bondage to, how does it put it in the reading today, the dedication to um, the body, the ego's investment in the body, the ego's investment in being a body, that um, my, my body's not serving the, the purpose that I'm ascribing to it, I can't do this, and I I can't do that. You know the pleasure versus the pain principle that's inherent in judging myself as the body, and then I'm going to attack it and and assign guilt to it and and ascribe the, that guilt is the escape from my 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 <laughs> ascribing pain to it. It's such a circular, insane. Um, mind cluster F that um, keeps me in pain. And I wouldn't wish pain on anybody, but this pain is really freeing me from my bondage to my ego's investment in my body. So here, here, here's to my freedom, here's to my release. And um, God bless you all for the miracles of love and understanding that you're you're bringing me to and, and sharing this this um, joint effort to awake from the dream of death, the dream of suffering, the dream of sorrow and sadness, suffering and pain. Oh, thank you guys. I love you all. Thank you, thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Yeah, that was great. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, too, hi. Thank you, Judy. Well, good morning. It's Mindy. 
I'm about to walk out the door to find the key that was went missing when my car was towed. But the most important thing that I'm realizing is not finding the key, but finding forgiveness. Um, the issue that keeps coming up in my life that I have had unforgiveness for, <laughs> for self, for God, for others, for their reactions. The important thing that I'm remembering is when I go looking for this key, not whether I find that or not, but whether I find forgiveness. And in the forgiveness, a miracle can occur. And, and I just, you know, the, but I'm going to go with the body's, um, the body's needs in this. The body needs to go to the bank and cover a check. The body wants to have the car. The body feels it's survival, a survival without a car. And this whole thing is simply a catalyst to get me to see that hanging on to the body and the wish for death and all this other stuff, it's just not working. And just to want the forgiveness and the peace. I believe there was a, um, just recently, one of the workbook goals was peace is my only goal. It's the only thing worth having. <sighs> so I, in peace, am going to go out and see what I can find. And what I find, hopefully, is more peace. <laughs> and that is what I'm looking for. It's just more peace. And to recognize that all things work together for good to those that love God. That, and that, that last statement, to those that love God. It's like, well, do I love God? And of course I do. And it's the, that, that desire for oneness in me, that desire for, I love God and I want to be with God and I want to know God. And that is the part of me that's going to win. And so I've set up things to get me over the obstacles to peace, to look them square in the face and take them on and allow the Holy Spirit to dissolve the illusion in it and the fear in it and to allow God's kingdom and love and the miracle to be present. And that is the blessing in every challenge is when I finally step aside and let the Holy Spirit bring me back to the truth, which feels like a miracle, but really a miracle is the natural place of being. So I'm ready for a miracle. I'm ready for a miracle on the, on the, the level of body. I'm ready for a miracle on the level of the heart. I'm ready for a miracle that shifts my mind permanently to the place of being in reality, and I never go back. So that's my commitment as I listen to everybody and I'm, I'm doing my keys. The most important thing is that this challenge is a catalyst that brings me back to myself and to God and to the love and that we are truly one and that when I have that awareness, life does become heaven. No matter what comes up, whatever task, it's a joy. Count it all joy. And that's my commitment. <laughs> that's my story. And that's where my heart is. So thanks for letting me share that, guys. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Thank Mindy. You. Thank you, Mindy. Thanks, Mindy. Yeah, I, I, just, I just really wanted to say that I know we all, the last thing I wanted to say is we all have times where, you know, the Achilles heel in our life steps up and, it keeps stepping up, and there's this sinking feeling that's not this again. And, and I'm asking today, 
for that feeling in me and other people. So when that comes up, when when the feeling thought is so strong that, oh, God, even God can't get underneath this and lift me up and lift it up and disappear like a bubble. Um, I, I, I would like today be, to be a day when my faith is so strengthened that I feel the lifting of this, this particular heavy thing. I feel that this is just a bubble of unreality and the Holy Spirit can lift it up and dissipate it. So my commitment to myself and my prayer for everybody is that whatever is that thing that feels so real that keeps us stuck in the ego and stuck in the attraction to guilt, whatever that thing is, that we all have a release of that today and find the peace. Thanks, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy. Laurie? Hello, you guys. Good morning. Um, Fran, I, I really wanted to thank you for the way you brought so many excellent ideas into the lesson this morning. And um, I was particularly grateful uh, where you, you included the direct experience of truth alone. And um, I'm very grateful for today's lesson that asked me only that I let my mind be still. So many um, wonderful shares this morning. And Karen, I really appreciated uh, how you brought in that death is the idea that I prefer not to live. And you said the same thing, Lee, and I was grateful to hear it. Um, thinking this morning of how he said, our minds, my mind and Christ's mind are equal as learners. And that the final lesson he learned was that there's only one voice to listen to. And um, and life, I thought about this morning in my, in my meditation, life is that state of full communication. And I recalled all those, all those years that I thought were wasted, but God made good use of uh, when I too yearned for the escape from the body thinking that would give me everything I need while at the same time I prayed restore unto me the joy of my salvation and in those two conflicting prayers relieve me of this body which seems to be a source of all my suffering and restore to me the joy of my salvation I realized that um I was calling to two masters. And so, um, after all those years, when God said, find, find your people, I realized that my prayer for death was just exactly what he says, relieve me from the burden of communication. 
And while I thought about all those things, I thought about um, the development of trust. This last prayer he gives us today in paragraph 89 is, is a prayer of trust. It's an absolute prayer of trust. I, I am willing to give up all my errors of mind recognizing that I don't know. I don't know. But within me there is one who does. Within me there is one who does. He said the final lesson I learned to hear this voice and hear no other. This voice that would restore me to loving communication with all of creation, with my own mind's integration, and with integration in the one mind. That's not a prayer for death, my friends. Death is an idea. It is just the thought that belongs to the ego thought system that says every good story has to have an ending. And that ending uh, is the idea that's false. In the life with God is communication. And communication with the mind of God is eternal because that's the way we were created and will forever remain part of his mind, a thought, a capital T thought in his mind, in common with the capital S self that we share in this beautiful experience where we can appreciate in a full way, in a really full way, the love of God. We can experience it in our bodies, in our hearts, in our minds. The full restoration of communication when I realize that the end is simply an idea that I wrote to the story. I've often said, and I do fully believe with all my heart, that if God had a name, it would be more. Because there is no end to this loving relationship that we enjoy in him and with each other. Death is simply an idea. Um, and when I release that idea, I come to understand and trust this voice that he's given us and can truly and honestly say, I don't know. I don't know what any of this means. But all my thoughts be still. And tell me the truth of this. What would love have me do? What would love have me say? What would love have me think? What would love have me offer? Mind can only serve, you see. And the body um, is my tool. It's the tool of mind. And when I ask for the loving response to any situation, 
that I don't understand, and I don't understand hardly anything. In fact, I, I won't even put hardly in there. <laughs> I won't even add hardly. I don't understand. Tell me the truth of this, and this, and this, and this. And my meditations ended this morning um, in the development of trust. And so, um, in this learning to give up the idea of death, I'd like to just read this to close. This period of unsettling. Now must the teacher of God understand he did not really know what was valuable and what was valueless. All he really learned so far was that he did not want the valueless and he did want the valuable, yet his own sorting out was meaningless in teaching him the difference. The idea of sacrifice, even of the body, so central to his thought system had made it impossible for him to judge. He thought he'd learned willingness, but now he sees he does not know what the willingness is for. And now he must attain a state that may remain impossible for a long, long time. He must learn to lay all judgment aside and ask only what he really wants in every circumstance. You know, in this work, he says, the Holy Spirit will tell you your will and then he'll do it for you. I thought I knew, but I don't. I don't even know what I really want. And we're not each step in this direction. So heavily reinforced, it would be hard indeed. And finally, there is a period of achievement where here learning is consolidated. Now what was seen as merely shadows before become solid gains to be counted on in all emergencies, the Holy Spirit as well as tranquil times. Indeed, the tranquility is the result. The outcome of honest learning, consistency of thought, and full transfer. Here's the really great, great, great idea. This is the stage of real peace. For here is heaven's state fully reflected. And from here, the way to heaven is open and easy. In fact, it is here. Who would go anywhere? His peace of mind is already complete. <laughs> and who would seek to change tranquility for something more desirable? The gift of this experience, he said, Lee, the gift of this experience is life. And communication is life. And that never ends. And so I defer. I let my mind serve Holy Spirit. And that's eternal. And the reward for that is the knowledge of my soul in a state of grace forever. Amen. I'm complete. It's a beautiful walk. Thank yeah. Thanks so much, Lori. Thank you. That was gorgeous, Lori. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for a beautiful call and for joining every morning and sharing the experience of one mind with each other. That's a pretty good definition of heaven. So I'm grateful. Thank you, everyone.